Lieutenant Marion Milton Magruder, ace fighter pilot during World War II and commander of the legendary night fighter squadron Black Max Killers. After his distinguished service during the war, Magruder found himself at the Air War College located at Maxwell Field in Montgomery, Alabama. His class was populated by what the U.S. military considered the best of the best and included ranks from lieutenant colonels all the way to generals. Magruder's son related the story, as told to him by his late father, of the instance where Magruder and his classmates were all led to a room to offer advice on a strategic decision of the utmost urgency and importance regarding military and political planning. They were then shown what they were told was it pieces of an interplanetary craft that had been recovered by the U.S. military and shipped from an Air Force base in Ohio. Magruder would add more to the story when on his deathbed that not only did the military keep recovered craft at the secretive military base, but also the bodies of the extraterrestrial pilots of these craft. This case file joined the theorists as they shred on their intergalactic mind guitars within Hangar 18, located on the one and only Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 229, Area 52. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. No, no, no you're wait, not Dan. Wait, 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 Welcoming wait. back to the show after a long hiatus, the our uh, resident Southeast Asian alien correspondent, Daniel. Dan. Welcome back to the show, Dan. Welcome back to the show, Dan. It's good to be back. <laughs> It's hot and it's humid. And yeah, back to being hot and humid. Last time we welcomed you to the show in that fashion, you sounded like a robot talking through a trash can. It's true. <laughs> and you never left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you carried that gimmick for 200 episodes. <laughs> yep. No problem. Now I sound less like a robot. Now I sound more like a robot, but less trash can. Yeah. Um, give a, the people want to know how Thailand's been. Give me, let's give them a quick update before we get into Area 52. How's it been, buddy? Uh, it's been all right. Uh, it, it is a strange post-pandemic world over here in Bangkok. Like it is very much not the lively city that you would imagine it was uh, pre pre-COVID. Um, everybody here is uh, taking. It seems to be taking it pretty well. You don't see anybody kind of walking around without masks. I mean, they're they're riding around on motorbikes with masks. Everybody's walking around with masks. It's well. Wait till um, our truckers get them, and we'll liberate them with some freedom. <laughs> In the form of honking. <laughs> Is anybody honking down there, Dan? Obviously not. No honking. No, no honking. No honking. Yet. Um, I think there's they're at 26,000 cases a day now. <laughs> and they are, um, I think Songkran is still not sure what they're going to do for Songkran, which is the big water fight. Oh, the water fight, uh, right? Which, oh, yeah. <laughs> one of those things that if you look up on those travel sites, like, you know, uh, things to do once in your life at least and, Song Kran is one of them, the, the Thai New Year. And so it's fun. Th- there's been a couple of articles about the uh, kind of the tourist authority 
uh, and the uh, like the health kind of duking it out and being like whether they're going to do it, like what to what extent are they going to hold uh, events? I think there was a music festival that was going to be planned, but they they weren't going to do it. Last I heard, it was like they were going to try to get under twenty thousand cases, and then they would kind of revisit it and maybe open more stuff up, but it doesn't seem to be, <laughs> that doesn't seem to be happening. With those numbers, they're well on their way to herd immunity. <laughs> yes, yes. Or there's going to be, a, you know, yeah, a lot of uh, fatalities if that number continues. The one question everyone wants to know, how many Mycenaux have you had? Zero. Oh, come on. He's lying. <laughs> it's, He's it's, lying been all Sin- it's been all Sinooks, my friend. No, my Sinooks. All Sinooks. <laughs> all Sinooks. <laughs> so today, everyone's heard about Area 51. Everyone knows what it is. Um, we've been there. We've People were trying to storm it. Right to the gate. Uh, a couple years ago uh, in September, they didn't storm it. Um, but what if I told you there was an Area 52? I would say that's a misnomer because <laughs> Area 51 was built after this one. <laughs> hey, listen. Redubbed uh, as Area 52. Re, yeah, it's been redubbed as Area 52, which honestly, to me, like when I first heard it, I was like, what fucking, what are we talking about here? I was like, is this some fucking great value Walmart brand Area 51? President's Dr. Choice, Fizzy, man. Right? Like, uh, I was expecting to be like, you know, so, so we, we have Bob Mazar. Right, Robbie Mazar. It's bizarre world. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was kind of expecting. And then when you start to get into it, you're like, God damn, you're like, this is the real deal. Like, if if shit went down and they have spacecrafts, it's in this facility. So let's get into it. Well, you got we gotta start with two. Area 52, more commonly known as Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Area 52 is more like an internet lore title. But the actual base, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is a currently operational Air Force Base, which is about 10 miles northeast of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, It it was built around 1913 when President Woodrow Wilson created the National Advisory Committee on Aeronautics, or NACA. And this committee had suggested establishing a center where they could research uh, flight technology since airplanes and and, uh, aircraft were becoming kind of the... Uh, vital to what they would see in the, as the future of military, you know, battlefield superiority. So, due to the presence of having a number of automobile manufacturing and, and aircraft manufacturing plants in Ohio already, the NACA established the center at what was then known as McCook Field in Dayton, Ohio. So by 1924, the United States uh, Air Corps that was uh, originally there had outgrown the actual facilities at McCook. So they, when they started building up, you know, you didn't have enough room for facilities for manufacturing, for testing, for all of those things for storage. So what we got so, here is this like you know, is the is the best of the best studying air, studying aeronautics at this place. Like, well, it's that- it it's it's actually a huge fucking base like this place like today employs like 30,000 employees and it's one of Ohio's like biggest industries is people work on the like that's what you do in Ohio what do you do I work at the base 
Like that's it's just it's a huge. You watch the Buckeyes or you fucking. Well, work I think the right Ohio, Ohio is a large. Like I think uh, there's a lot of Ohio that is kind of dependent on what you see. You know what some people would kind of uh, refer to as the military-industrial complex. It's one of those things where there's like multiple cities that are dependent on these military bases for employment, for uh, military contracts, for all of that kind of stuff. Their economies kind of depend on a lot of these. So I think I think the M1 Abrams tank, like a lot of the parts are actually manufactured in a couple of plants in Ohio. And like, if they were to pull out those contracts, like those towns would die. <laughs> yeah, because everyone, everyone wants out of Ohio. Absolutely. They'd follow LeBron's foot, his footsteps. <laughs> follow his hairline and get the fuck yeah. away from that place. Story Ohio fans. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, they know. Don't pretend like they know. It's fine. It's okay. Come You're on, from guys. there. I mean, come on. <laughs> no big deal. So you got a good quarterback. Well, one anyways. <laughs> so they were hoping to keep the Air Corps in Dayton, uh, like we just said, just to, you know, to for the economy for certain other purposes. So the, the residents actually donated about 5,250 acres of land on the city's outskirts. So they named this area uh, after the Wright brothers, so Wilbur, Wilbur and Orville Wright, uh, to honor their contributions to flight. So those Wright, guys invented uh, microwave popcorn? <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just checking. Yes. Microwave popcorn and the first airplane. <laughs> really? And it's funny, wow. they, they invented the popcorn before the microwave. They're just like, hey, put this aside. It's Something good will day, come with this. One day something's... I, you know. Well, I mean, technically you don't need a, pop, you don't need a microwave to make popcorn. They yeah, revolutionized but Dan, it. But Dan, they invented microwave popcorn. They put it in, yeah, the, exactly. in the folding container. Okay. They put, put it in, in the, the folding thing. Right. They're like, listen. Listen. This is ahead of its time. We Orville, know it. I got this plan. It's going to really pop. <laughs> <laughs> In 50 years. That makes sense. That checks out. I'd say so. So, Wright Field officially opened in 1927. Uh, so, the Army Air Corps, uh, after it became the uh, United States Air Corps, it changed to the Army Air Corps, and then it stationed its materiel division at Wright Field. So, in 1947, the government created the United States Air Force uh, from the Army Air Corps. They became their separate separate entities, and we've talked about the split before. Um, and pretty much this uh, this eliminated the Army Air Force and just established the entire new branch of the United States military. The Air Force combined Wright Field with the nearby Patterson Field, and then that created Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And the research that was had begun there back in the 1920s and so on has continued until this day. Um, Did you know there's World over 800 II, buildings? 800? Yeah. 800 buildings. Holy shit. It's a small town. <laughs> right? It's crazy. <laughs> when I, I when I stumbled across that fact, I was like, I was like, that can't be right. That's fucking Rutland, boys. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so I, I like I had to go back and like look at some other stuff and like and I was like over eight hundred buildings. I was like, God damn, that is humongous. That's a huge the, base. Uh, at the in those eight hundred buildings, they have uh you know since world since and during World War II, uh, the facility saw a dramatic expansion. So in 1939, they had about 3,700 employees. And then by the end of the war, World War II, they had about 50,000 employees. <laughs> they went like wow. 20-fold. 
And so Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, a couple little interesting other factoids about it, is uh, home to the National Museum of the United States Air Force. Oh, uh, you shit. can find the original Avro Canada uh, uh, VZ-9 uh, Avro car uh, there. No um, big deal. No big deal. Greatest plane ever made. It's terrible. They said it was like pilots said driving that thing was like trying to balance on a beach ball. Ooh, <laughs> like it's, yeah. That's some goddamn whoa, 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 slander, whoa, whoa. bud. I don't hey. want to hear any of that, pal. It hey. was like it was like a Harrier jet, like a vertical takeoff jet. Is that yeah. what it was? It was? Yeah, it was just basically like a jet engine on a donut, like a metal jet <laughs> yeah. engine donut. <laughs> what they didn't really understand bad. is your co-pilot was supposed to be a goose. Supposed to be a goose. <laughs> right? That's what was throwing the weight off. They were having two men on it. Everyone knows a co-pilot's a goose. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah, and our, you know what? But our goose doesn't die at the end, pal. Yeah, yeah. Right? Story, Story twist. Away. Hey. Story twist. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Geese fly together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should have said. <laughs> Geese fly together. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, Neil Armstrong, first man to walk on the moon, and Edward White, the first American to Says walk in you. space. They were both. Liars. They were both Wright Patterson test pilots. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it is also reported that they hold the personal files of Nikola Tesla on that base, being preserved there. Oh, it's all lining um, up here. This base is full of shit. Here you got Armstrong, liar, never went to the moon. Never. It's all being it's all being <laughs> bred here. At all these ideas are being born at Wright Patterson. <laughs> well, we got fucking Kubrick Studio in one of those buildings. There, you got eight hundred yeah. of them. Got eight hundred. Yeah. yeah, just uh, green screen. Yeah. Hey, Avenger! I heard Avengers Endgame was shot there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to this day, it employs more personnel, uh, both military and civilian, than the Pentagon, and the payroll is more than a billion dollars a year. No big deal. The the other thing that I really found interesting about this was, the, like, a, a, aside from its sheer like size and how many people it employed, was that you know there's so many tales. Of you know you you hear people being like yeah it's accessible you can go you can go there it's it's not like it's an off limits base it's not like you're there's lines where you're getting shot and stuff so you, there's there's bars and stuff there's there's museums there's stuff that people go to uh, and because there's so many workers there's so many accounts of people going on this base so you can read and there's pictures and there's lots of it one thing that I always found particularly interesting was that like. A lot of these buildings and stuff you see pictures of, there's these giant vents. These giant vents that are normally used for, like, you know, if you, for a building, but like, they're on the ground. Like air intakes? Leads, yeah, which leads me to believe I'm like, well. These are the movie vents, right? The ones that you get, like, fucking people cr army crawling through. Yeah. The ones that <laughs> no, nobody else fits through, but in the movies, it, you it, can just fucking cruise through them. It leads me to believe that. Um, you know, there's perhaps some, you know, there's a little bit more than meets the eye to this base because oh, they got just from its surface level, they got transformers. Uh, more than you know, meets the eye. You had 50,000 people working there in 1939. You have 30,000 people working now. You're like, well, that's a lot of people to keep a secret, right? <laughs> or, it, or it's just that secret. Only a handful know. It's a secret secret. Just all, <laughs> they, they basically take them aside when you get, they're like, hey, listen, yes, we have the aliens. There they are. And if uh, you tell anyone about it, we'll pull the contract out of Ohio and your city's going to die. <laughs> they're all like, all right. All I'll right, keep it. fair. They're all, it's all for one, one for all in Ohio. <laughs> so the, 
the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, has an official connection to UFOs. Now, the official connection, uh, as is documented, is that in July of 1947, Project Sign was established there. Oh. Um, and we've talked about this before, but if you haven't heard about it, uh, it you know, first time listening to the podcast, you know, Project Sign is something you should get familiar with if you're... Uh, Oh, if you're into yeah, UFOs, yeah. which was the precursor to Project Grudge in 1949, and then eventually became Project Blue Book in the March of 1952. Uh, this was established at the Air Force Base by General Nathan Farragut Twining, uh, who is the head of the Air Technical Service Command, and then had initially been named Project Saucer. Yeah, just cataloging <laughs> alien species. This is no in 47? <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of like the big boom, right? Because Roswell was in 47 too, wasn't it? Right. So you had, I mean, yeah, you had Roswell. So you had a lot, um, you know, post-Roswell, you had a lot more reports of like UFOs popping up. This became, uh, a, a, it became a national concern, a national security concern. So the United <laughs> States military was asked to go ahead and, um, you know, form a project that would collect, evaluate, and distribute within the government all the information having to do with these UFO sightings. And so... Um, so they could actually make a, an informed judgment about what their response should be. Wait, usually when they name the projects, usually it's like something cool like MK Ultra. <laughs> this one, they're like, what did we find? A saucer. What should we call it? Project Saucer. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Project I don't fucking know. Project Saucer. Call it Project Saucer. Don't, fuck. don't bug yeah. me with this shit. God damn it, anyways. I'm not paid to be creative. <laughs> uh, so now... Even though, like we just mentioned, it also has a connection to Roswell, the original Roswell as well. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Roswell being over 1,200 miles away, you know, how would you, you know, how would you think that this place would be connected to this location of the, you know, the legendary UFO crash? And oh. so the well, it, oh, I was compelled. I, I believe that this is where this ship was transported. 100%. So, yeah. This is one of the places that it was that, that has become kind of uh, lore that the the crash and potentially the, the the material that was recovered and the entities that may have been present at the Roswell crash had been Bless. transported for store, if not if not study, then storage at Wright Patterson oh, Air, Air Force Base. 100% study and 100% reverse engineering. And the reason I believe this to be a more compelling case that this is where the Roswell crash would have ended up was because like at the tail end of uh, World War II when the United States and Russia were kind of starting to look at each other as like, hey, you know what? We're, we're probably the next ones to... Uh, go to battle. They had a, they had a, a department set up in Wright Patterson Air Force Base called the Foreign Technology Division, and their entire job was that they would get you know um, German V two rockets that crashed, Soviet rockets that crashed, Soviet uh, missiles that were left, anything they could get their hands on, they would bring to Pat Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and these people would look at it and they would try to reverse engineer and and you know figure everything out. So to me, it makes sense that you have all this money. And at this point in time, you have an insane amount of money and all the brightest minds at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base doing just this, getting technologies that they don't really know how it works, figuring out how it works. So you have a crashed craft and you're like, 
you know, there's there's been there's been theories that perhaps that it was a, some sort of Russian uh, ship, right? Yeah, you, well, you wouldn't uh, know. Operation right? Osavikin, right? Maybe they yeah. were working on some type of saucer. So, so it would make sense that like why w- you would bring it to the place where you have the most, the brightest minds working on just this, breaking down foreign technologies, you know, taking it apart, figuring out how it works and reverse engineering it. You know, theories are that this is where we got fiber optics and computer chips are actually from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base doing just this in reverse engineering the Roswell crash. ET craft. I, I had always thought Area 51, that's where it went, I uh, thought. But then reading it about this, I was like, well, they had this foreign technology wrong division. Bitch. I was like, it was 19, this makes... It was, what are you, Area 52? Yeah, I was You're like, hey, it's, it's, area, it's been Area 52 all along right under our noses. <laughs> Jesus. Well, didn't the... Yeah, because the original press release say, said the wreckage was going to be moved from, from Roswell Army Airfield to higher headquarters for further analysis. Well, and you think about that, they got 50,000 people employed here. They get 800 buildings. There's no way they have that type of fucking operation at Area 51. Well, well, not only that, like, so it's weird though, it makes sense to send it there because that's where they're studying aircraft for the last, you know, for the last 30 years at this point. But there's probably way closer airfields, right? Like air bases. Like you're not far from California or Arizona. There's an air base in every fucking state. Yeah, so they send it to 1,200 miles away is where they send this baby to. Right. That's you said that's where the best of the best of the, the best, best of the best of the best. Right. Well, since since its inception in 1917, the Wright-Patterson Air Force, Air Force Base had become the most secret and most important base in the U.S., like arguably. Like this is the place that we were like, like Brayden said, this is where they were bringing in everything that they could get their hands on, you know, uh, during and post-World War II, Japanese fighter, uh, Japanese aircraft, um, yeah, German aircraft, Measure Schmitz, everything they get their hands on, they brought there for reverse engineering, testing, and you know, and, and it's not like we got information out applications of that. for it. When they when they they would figure out how to work it or figure out applications, like you said, and they would just put it to use. And it's like it's never like, hey, we did this here, baby. Like that came out a long time later, where we started figuring out that that's where they were doing it. It wasn't like they were like, hey, we just did this, everyone, right at this base. Another, another, another one yeah. for the good guys. Nobody's fucking uploading their pictures on Instagram, tagging right for Patterson. Yeah. Everybody's being like, just did it, boys. Yeah. New tech, who this? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag new tech. Yeah. What's well, weird too, when you look into it, and like, because we know of like the SR seventy one and like other planes, they were not developed at Wright Patterson, like seemingly the leading edge of flight research is what you would read. So say it, it is that that secretive. They released now like where this you know the Blackbird was built, like Skunk Works and, and tested at Area Fifty One and all that. But you, you don't hear you don't hear that about Wright Patterson. Like, why would you take if you had yes. better equipped and better places for testing facilities for these these aircraft or these you know spacecraft that you'd supposedly recovered from Roswell? Why would you take them to Wright Patterson Air Force Base? I would argue that it's not so much about testing these materials or testing these things. It's about develop making developments from these materials. So Air, Wright Patterson Air Force Base has a number of uh, still to this day they have a number of like military contractors and like uh, access to those like. Braden said, the best and the brightest. You're not going to test the stuff there, but you would develop the materials, mm. um, you know, metamaterials, uh, you know, uh, fiber optics, whatever. Anything that you could kind of develop from the discoveries that you found surrounding these materials, perhaps recovered from an alien spacecraft, this would be the place that you would want to do it. 
Yeah, just well, exactly. Not necessarily because, to test the aircraft because you got zero fucking distraction. We're like, hey, where can we spend all these smart people who aren't going to get distracted by fun things to do? Oh, let's send them to Ohio. 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 There's <laughs> nothing to fucking do there. <laughs> I mean, you're not watching the Browns. Um, yeah, I mean, you you would have watched the Bengals last year. I get that, but I'm not. Dude, in out. Russia, in Russia, in Osavayakim, they were like holding their. They were like sent to the gulag. They're like, unless you work for us, you don't leave the gulag. In America, they Which were like, hey, listen, as soon as you finish your work, you can leave Ohio. <laughs> Sorry, Ohio. We love okay, you. Okay, to be fair, they do have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hey, I, I've never yeah. been there, so I can't really give much judgment. I don't really know anything about Ohio, but the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame sounds pretty good. It's pretty cool. Sounds pretty like right in my alley. I'd love to go. All right, so supposedly the wreckage recovered from Roswell, shipped to, not, to a base 1,200 miles away to Wright Pat, for possible Hun- reverse engineering. So where do they where do they take it there? 600 buildings. Maybe not that many at this time or whatever, but... So the generally accepted and most popular uh, name for the facility that you would find about storing these alien craft, both from Roswell and perhaps even after post-Roswell recoveries of UFOs, is Hangar 18. Oh, welcome to our fortress town. I'll take some time and show you around. Oh, that's a fucking banger, man. So are you telling me the so Megadeth which, music video is a documentary? Absolutely. Yes, yes. It, it actually that's all 100%, starts yeah, that's in the early 80s when Dave Mustaine was ousted from Metallica before Kill em All came This is true. He's actually one of the lead scientists He's at Hangar 18. <laughs> he goes by the name Vic Rattlehead. It's a fucking that it's checks pretty, out. It's all te- it's all fucking top secret, boys. Yeah, Hangar 18 is very visible in the uh, like popular culture. Like if most people who are familiar with UFOs or any kind of science fiction TV shows, you usually see Hangar 18, a mention of it pop up here and there. Yes, the Megadeth th- song and its sequel, Return to Hangar, are both popular songs um, and pretty rad. And, uh, you know, my favorite mention of Hangar 18 was its appearance in The Simpsons, season seven, episode nine, um, of where they go, it's, the Simpsons are at an air show and they open it up and there's a, you know, what is the the archetypal gray in there? And he's got the little green, he's got a little green shiny object. They say, look out, he's got his probe. And then they shut the door, <laughs> you know. So it's it's very, it's very. Simpsons um, predicted it, they called prominent. it. They yeah. called it. <laughs> um. So, but the thing is, the interesting thing is that not a lot of people actually know, UFO researchers uh, included, don't really know where Hangar 18 came from. Um, some kind of theorize that it m- might have arisen from Hangar 18, the movie starring Darren McGavin and Robert Vaughn, which also appeared in 1980, which is when Hangar 18 started kind of to gain ground in this, uh, you know, in the narrative of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base as a UFO research hub. And um, you also had in 1975, you had Sp- uh, Robert Spencer Carr, who was a science fiction writer, um, who actually, a pretty popular stories like back then that he wrote for I think it's like weird tales or amazing tales, uh, and he made claims that this is this is where the U.S. government was performing autopsies on oh. alien bodies. Now, wait, so are we saying there's actually no Hangar 18 specifically, or specifically called Hangar 18 at least? Well, of course there wouldn't be anything on the books like they're like if people are like, oh yeah, they, they, that's where they keep them. <laughs> they're going to be like, yeah, that one labeled Hangar 18. There that, is that no Hangar, hangar 18. <laughs> So UFO researchers who have talked to people who have given them uh, 
reports about what may have happened or they say reported happened on some of these places that included uh, you know, UFO or extraterrestrial research. Um, the UFO researchers theorized that perhaps they were using the word Hangar 18 out of convenience because on the base, on the books, officially, there is no Hangar 18. That's what they want you to think. Yeah. Well, but there's, or, yeah, there's something. or that's on purpose. <laughs> but there is a building 18 and also a building 18A, 18B, 18C, 18D, which are all included okay. in what is known all as the building 18 complex. All smoke and complex. mirrors, baby. Smoke and mirrors, <laughs> right? Choose your 18. Well, and then when you, when you put like an amulet in the sun and it reflects the light down, it shines a light directly on hangar 18. And like the sand <laughs> right. splits and fucking Indiana shows, Jones. Yeah, shows you where the lost city of uh, Tannis is. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. So there's a building 18. An 18, there's a building 18 complex. Com- there's an entire so it's called complex set of buildings. Complex 18. But there right. is a hangar attached to the building. What if complex right. 18 has a closet and in that closet there's a hangar and there's 18 of them and you pull the 18th one and then the door opens up. <laughs> it's a riddle. Where they're doing the optics. It's a riddle. Drop downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It opens up a laundry chute. <laughs> and boom, there you go. Alien autopsy, son. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it is a like Zell said, it is attached. That this building does is attached to its own hangar, which is known as Hangar Twenty Three. So you could perhaps say that maybe wasn't these, there a Jim Co- Carrey movie called Twenty Three? Number Twenty Three. Yeah, uh, interesting. Or was it number thirteen? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Twenty Three. I think it was the number Twenty Three. Number Twenty Three. Interesting. Oh yeah, that's right. Saying. I was trying to remember what movie. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the number twenty three. It is that is the one. Interesting. Okay. Well, we got it's all comes down to math, man. Eighteen <laughs> plus five is twenty three. Yeah. Sean FIP, McVay baby. was thirty four years old. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Nobody, Mark Zuckerberg. I'm in this. I'm in it by myself. Two million dollars. Mark Zuckerberg's gonna buy this for a billion dollars. We own eight. Uh, We're fifty uh, percent shareholders, are we not? 30. Absolutely. Oh, right. 30. We're 30. Yeah, 10, 10, 10. 10, 10, 10. Uh, we, I have his number, so we should call him. We should call Absolutely. him. Maybe we should call him next Cosmic uh, Channels. I think we should. Um, this is interesting, though, because other than the connection to the movie 23, which I don't know if that's relevant or no, it's, it's not. Absolutely it's not relevant. at all. 100%. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I like it. The interesting thing of is like when you start to hear like this place is a foreign technologies division and you know maybe they were bringing the bodies from Roswell and stuff. You know, we've heard rumors about alien autopsies and and stuff like that, all sorts of conspiracies through and you know footage and whatnot all throughout rumors if you're into we've UFOs. seen VHSs, pal. Yeah. We've seen them. And the one thing, the one account that I read is that um the Roswell crash, because you know. If the the overall theme of the Roswell crash is that there were some childlike bodies, you know, some people say that they were, you know, they wanted child sized castics, uh, caskets hermetically sealed, um, you know, there's there's all these accounts of, of bodies. Uh, what I found interesting is I found one story talking about that the bodies were actually brought here, and they were basically like, in some of them were in state of like they were still alive, and they're like, try to help them. So, like, the medical teams there were like, ah, uh, okay, like, w- w- these are I mean, aliens. If so they were critically they actually, ill, that's a long fucking trip to take yeah. while critically ill. Right? Like they would well, have had to be on some type of life support, I'd imagine. 
sure, but when they got, got well, how do what they know? say is that what what killed them is is basically like we started trying to treat them like humans and gave them medicine. They're just like dead, dead, and dead. Like oh, we can't give them that Shit. as we would though, right? Yeah. Like that's I mean when we started treating like when like the same thing with like you know, veterinary medicine, like that shit started with treating animals the way you would treat humans. And it's yeah. obviously evolved from there, but a lot of yeah. times, like you when give you the see, first, dude, you give you the see first the little alien a shot of penicillin and he just dissolves and you're <laughs> like, tastes like bananas. <laughs> <laughs> not, ba- not bananas, <laughs> not potassium. <laughs> potassium is completely lethal. Uh, to they should, they should just give him sugar water. Yeah. 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 That's fair. But like literally, like you look at the medication they prescribed your dog, and it's the same stuff you take nine times out of ten. We're both kind. We're, that's we're why both I only with, same thing with Brayden. Like and, and just like with Brayden, you do have to put his medication in peanuts, right? <laughs> or peanut butter, peanut butter, yeah, and or roll it up in some cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if I find it, I spit it out. <laughs> so pretty much, Hangar Eighteen, as goes the lore, even though it's probably. There's no official Hangar 18. There's a Hangar 23 connected to building or complex 18. It could be as simple as like someone just like shortened it. It was like, ah, oh, the, you know, someone said the Hangar at 18, even though he's referring to Hangar 23. Or they got and a some, memo. They're like, God damn it, Jim. Megadeth made a fucking song about it. We got to change the name. <laughs> you know how many, God, you, this is a logistical nightmare. You know how many 18s we got all over this complex? <laughs> God damn it, Jim. God damn it, Jim. We got metalheads dropping acid outside the gates all fucking day. God you damn know it, that song's going to get popular because God damn it, it's a fucking banger. God damn it, Jim. I heard it. We just made The Simpsons. We got to do something, Jim. God damn it, Jimmy predicted it again. He's like, all right. He's like, I think we got it. I talked to the maintenance man. We got an extra two and a three laying around. We'll just change the hangar number. God damn it, you're... Oh, fuck. God damn it, Jim, you're a genius. Yeah. You're up for a promotion for that. <laughs> the gyms got their start at uh, Wright Patterson. If you didn't, if you didn't, changing absolutely. the numbers, changing the numbers. Two that was their two first maintenance mission. Men. Yeah, there were maintenance men in the military. <laughs> oh, what are we gonna do? But the uh, Hangar 18, the lore is that's is where they stored alien bodies, alien craft, alien tech, and that's where it all keep under lock and key in the in the hangar. But not necessarily in the hangar, but perhaps. Beneath, beneath the hangar. And just before we get to that, we're going to take a short break, grab a beer. We'll be right back. What's underneath? What's under the base? What's under the base? What's under the base? What's under the base? No secret UFO military installation story would be complete without reports of underground facilities. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dan, I like how all of a sudden you've begun to hide your identity on the yeah, I did. <laughs> You're slowly <laughs> going dark facility. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah, you're like the bad guy from fucking Inspector Gadget. You got a little, you just need a kitty. The claw. Yeah. yeah. The claw. Yeah. I mean, big metal, big metal hand gauntlet. Yeah. I mean, oh that'd be rad. Um so in 1996, uh, there was a signed and notarized affidavit from Robert L. Marshall Jr., who was was uh, a Navy veteran who had a top secret crypto security clearance, and he had stated that both him and his both his father and his grandfather had actually worked at Wright Patterson Air Force Base during its some of its construction in the 1940s and 50s. 
His father was an iron worker who was under the direct supervision of his grandfather, uh, who was in had apparently been in charge of erecting a four-level underground facility that included a hangar uh, at ground level. Dope. So they're saying, he he went on to say that, uh, quote, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base received the craft from Roswell incident in 1947, and it was placed in one of the lower levels. My father was called into the complex to adjust one of the doors. At that particular time, he saw, he stated to me on this deathbed, what appeared to him to be the wreckage of a comparatively small circular craft. He couldn't make it out in great detail because it was behind some kind of plastic cover that was hanging from the ceiling. So deathbed confession of a guy who worked on the hangar and seen the ET tech. Seen a saucer. Right. So um, there's a number of these, uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of the information from the most recent source, uh, which was the, uh, the book UFO Secrets Inside Wright-Patterson uh, Eyewitness Accounts from the Real Area 51 uh, by T.J. Carey and D.R. Schmidt. Uh, but they've got a number of these kind of, a lot of them seem to be <laughs> Death, yes, deathbed confe- uh, confessions of people who either worked or worked with people um, from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and kind of went on to confirm you know what, though, some if, of the suspicions. It's one of those things where it's like, if you were truly worried about the repercussions, this is the, that's the only time to do it. You know what I mean? Like, if you were truly, truly worried that you're like, these yeah, no people doubt. will hunt me down. They will make my life a living hell. Um, I want to get this information out. And like, that's that's the time to do it. Like your deathbed, you, you have nothing else to lose. So you can tell like, because there's something to that. Like imagine- They make your family suffer. Well, but imagine that for a second. Imagine that like you were, uh, you worked on the space and you were privy to this information where you saw an alien craft right then and there, your mind is just blown because you're like, there's other intelligent life out there. Your whole perspective of life changes, right? And it's like, you would want your, like, I personally, I would want my, if I had kids, I would want them to know. I'm like, listen, there is other stuff out there. They're here. It's, it's, everything's not what you, you think you, what you think you see, you did not see, right? Like that's, I would, I would fill them in. Yeah. Right. You know what's funny though? It's like there's no way that your grandpappy was working at Area 51, saw a saucer, well, and not mine. the fucking kids. There's no way though. There's not no mine. way he kept that secret all the way till he died. Not a fucking well, chance. He, you know, maybe he, he told them he worked on the base, but he never told them about, uh, um, you know, the we're seeing the aliens, right? There, I, there's another account I, I read of like uh, a father and son went and went to the see a movie. I can't remember what movie and it had aliens in it. And then he had like a PTSD episode afterwards driving home. And he's like, they're not that tall. They're not that tall. They're not that Ooh, like he was having maybe a Maybe he got neuralized. Oh, shit. Right? Right. Maybe right. he got he, neuralized yeah, and, and he, got some flashbacks. He, and he worked at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and he just had like kind of a meltdown after seeing this movie. And like his kid was like, what? What, what do you mean they're not that tall? Right? Like... But as for like underground facilities, like I, even their university, their university has like basically a full underground like tunnel, like maintenance tunnels that you can travel between the buildings. And this, and their university was originally meant for the Air Force and it was built during the Cold War and it was basically like a, a bomb, like a nuclear bomb shelter. Uh, so when it was handed over to the university and basically 
you know, they just kept it and then opened it up to the public. So like students in, in bad weather and stuff will walk these underground tunnels all the way. So it's like, if they were doing that to this basis, like these, what they was going to, you have to assume that, you know, they then did that for the stuff that they are in fact using and did it better. I'd agree. Uh, so one of the big researchers into the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base mystery is Leonard Stringfield. And he was the one of the directors for the Civilian Research Interplanetary Flying Objects, or CRIFO. Uh, he used to publish a monthly newsletter called Orbit. And in 1957, he became the public relations advisor for, uh, for NICAP, which is the precursor um, for, to MUFON, National yes. Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. Yeah. Um, what is said to be striking about Stringfield's informants' descriptions, the people that he interviewed um, around and had experience on the base, he said that a lot of the descriptions matched up to what you would, uh, what you would typically define as a gray alien. A lot of descriptions of the bodies that they had recovered or people had seen being moved from uh, from building to building or they had seen uh, within some of these containers. They said, you know, pear-shaped heads, uh, slant, uh, slanted eyes, and about four, four you know, four, somewhere in, in between four to five feet. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, they had at least one, I saw one YouTube video of... Uh, there was uh, before, right before his death, he appeared on a episode of, of Sightings. If anybody remembers that TV show, it was great. Um, uh, which he died in 1994, um, and he had that an intelligence source had reported to him that they had perhaps as many as 30 alien bodies beneath <laughs> Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Well, because yeah, the story goes that it's not just Roswell that they brought here, right? We talked about Aztec, and there's a bunch of other craft all over, like the the Southwest. So they well, they if, say, you, if you're going to believe that the Roswell crash happened and it was brought to this base, then you would assume that like any technology is brought to Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Well, yeah, like Roswell wasn't the only downed and recovered craft. Like if we, we talked about Aztec, New Mexico, and others, it's like there was a swarm of these. If you go with the stories, a swarm of these grays and the craft, and for whatever reason, either they were knocked out of the sky. Some people claim like. We had like their craft for whatever reason couldn't handle like certain type of radar, and they were falling out of the sky because there are a lot of people. A lot of people were like, "Well, if they came here, yes, I guess like you could say like craft malfunction. I guess even ET craft. But you're like, if they came here and they were losing that many craft, were we not? Were we knocking them out of the sky? That's a good point. Like how? Yeah, like how, like how, like how many? How many of these interstellar, interdimensional well, travelers of- are crashing? What type of time frame are we talking Must about? Must be though? driving forwards. Like, <laughs> like from what? Found on road Like from Roswell to like the 60s. Yeah, which would, would be like a staggering amount, right? But at the same time, like we had, let's say we had five within, you know, recorded lifetime. You could probably attribute that to user error. Like no matter how advanced they are, you're still going to have user error. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, they took multiple craft, multiple aliens, <laughs> up to 30 to write Pat. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. I wonder if they actually had like some of the, let's say potentially these 30 are ones they've had stored from like fucking way back, right? Like throughout time. Yeah, like in the, because isn't that part of the story? Dan, there's like a, they're suspended in like what's like formaldehyde or something? <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> there are parts of the story and and some reports that say that perhaps when these, 
there there's a, you know varying degrees of the reports but some of them some of them relate that the the beans that were brought there some of them were in various states of kind of dissection they said that one like one one report said that um like fucking body works (laughs) it was like like an air force officer was brought down and to look at one of the bodies or something like hey look at this and then you know they popped open the tarp and like there was this fucking alien in there all gutted out um alien autopsy style like they hadn't even really like put it back together i suppose um and then there's others saying that yeah they were um uh people reported like the remembering that that striking smell of formaldehyde that these, these perhaps these alien creatures had been, these bodies had been preserved in formaldehyde. And there's also, um, there's also like a picture that's kind of circulating around that there's these large tanks on one of the, in the building 18 complex, which some UFO researchers say are perhaps tanks for holding liquid nitrogen for cryogenic freezing purposes that you would need that, that when that technology became available, they were able to, store these beans. Well, the other interesting thing is that like a lot of these accounts of Wright uh, Patterson Air Force Base, you know, there's there's numerous people who have accounts and and we could do a case file about all the personalities that have accounts because a lot of them don't like each other and they they basically say the like they're all pointing the finger at this person be like he's wrong he's dead wrong i was there he was were you there i <laughs> was there, there. <laughs> uh like raymond uh ray ray shamansky uh he says these bodies are being used for a hybridization program so they're they're doing hybridization on wright patterson air force base and uh one of my favorite parts if you if you get a chance uh, i I'll, I'll try to find the link again. It's one of his 60-minute interviews. Uh, I was listening to it, and he's he's not a very good speaker. He's It's very dull and boring. But one point that he says is that he says, he's, he goes, I actually met one of the, like, I've met a couple of the the hybrids. And the host is like, what? And he goes, yeah, you, you can tell. He's like, you know, they're just... And he's like, you guy yeah, can tell. And he's like, well, how? Like, he's, like, really trying to get it out of Raymond. Like, hey, well, like, wh- How? How can you tell? He's like, they're just off, you know? They're just off. And I'm like, okay. Well, I think that about a lot of people. And then, uh, so the host keeps pressing him and he goes, he goes, well, like one of the hybrids, she didn't even know what the NFL was. That's the tell. And he's like, what? Totally makes sense. The NFL, the National Football League. You're not from this fucking planet if you don't (laughs) know what the NFL is. (laughs) Right? You're definitely not from the goddamn continental United States of America if you don't know what the national (laughs) if you don't know what the national football is. You can be from Alaska. (laughs) It's forgiven. We're not, we don't got a team up there. Uh, (laughs) No pro team. uh, So that was his tell. Like he, he talks like you know, he uh, he talks about being at this conference and and them showing pictures of uh, uh, hybridizations, like some of the hybrids. And he's seeing one of the pictures on the slide. Then him, he's like, "I went for coffee. Oh my god!" And there there was one of the hybrids right there. I saw her, the one from the slide. This and he goes, he goes like, "Oh really?" Like it was in one of the slides. And he goes, "Funny thing though, they videotaped the conference. They removed the slide from the footage, or they cut away. You know." during the sh- footage and I'm like well they obviously cut away like if they were if there's two cameras and they're cutting away they cut away and then he just <laughs> I was like I was like Raymond Sh- Raymond Shemansky 
pretty interesting guy, but pretty funny. But yeah, so if you don't know what the NFL is, hybrid. Hybridization Absolutely. from straight Somebody, from yeah. Wright-Patterson so Air you, Force yeah. Base. If you want to know somebody's from the hybrid program, ask them if they know what the NFL yeah. is. Like they, you ever uh, heard okay. of the NFL and they go, what? And you go, hmm, get away because alien. How, what happened? Not only if you don't know it, you actually get you like you're hybrid and then you get exterminated right after because we don't need those kinds around here. <laughs> all right. Well, let's <laughs> we not let's that. not get into xenophobe. Need all right. We don't need xenophobes. Right. We don't okay, need buddy? you around. Okay. Greatest league in the world. Yeah, you can play in the XFL. <laughs> CFL. <laughs> so uh, one of the more high-profile personalities, you could say, that is inter- that had a kind of big hand in either popularizing uh, this or making public uh, knowledge that there is something going on at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is probably somebody people have either heard his name before. Uh, some older people probably know him. Um so younger people might not, but Senator Barry Goldwater, pre- yeah. president. He's actually a president. He ran for president. Oh yes, Mr. Goldwater. Uh, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately, he was first. Al- immediately, this guy has zero credibility to me. <laughs> you go, Why is that? Because you go by the fucking last names. Like you look at Zell, it's like Man of Steel. Yeah, guy was a badass. His ancestors badass. You know, you got Thatcher's whatever. You look at fucking Mr. Goldwater here. He's obviously a bedwetter back in the day because they have long <laughs> lineage of bedwetters. Fucking Goldwater, oh. get rid of him. Can't trust him. Goldwater is how is that? Is it a literal water. meaning? That's it makes last me worried name, about anyone. It, Dickinson. It's an it's an, elo- <laughs> it's an elegant twist on piss. They're like one day they're like, okay, Mr. Piss, we got to get rid yeah. of this. This isn't good. <laughs> Nobody's giving us jobs. Okay, Piss family, we got to change this name. <laughs> how about Goldwater? That sounds Goldwater. pretty elegant. Let's go, Goldwater. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Goldwater was first elected to the United States Senate in 1952 uh, during the Eisenhower's presidency, and he served under five presidents after that, and he retired finally in 1987 mm-hmm. under Jimmy Carter. This guy's part of the now, deep state. <laughs> yeah, big time, because Senator Goldwater is not only a senator, but prior to his political career, he was a brigadier general in the United States Air Force Reserve. Uh, Goldwater served in a number of important committees while he was in the Senate. Can I, and some can of these I ask ones, a, Can I ask a clarifying question? Because sure. when you start to say that, I think badass. But then for some reason, when you say reserve, I feel like it's less badass. Well, he was, no, he was in the Air Force. Like he yeah. was active duty. He flew I, missions like in I Burma have, and China so, and those so places. Badass. Like, badass. Yeah, he's, okay, he's right. pretty, he does. And then he sometimes joined the I don't reserve know. after. I don't know. Because when you, sometimes <laughs> I, I feel like the connotation reserve is like. I think uh, he got, he rose general. up as far as he did in the reserve. So he got to like brigadier okay. general in the okay. reserve, but he I just wanted to make sure he's a badass because especially politicians. I was like, he was actually, uh, was he there? Part, That's what I wanted to know. That's was, all you, he, he was, was there. there. Was he okay. there? He was there. Perfect. Uh, he was, at he the was actually talking. <laughs> I don't know about that. And I don't think so. He was there. <laughs> um, so, he was actually part of a number of important committees uh, while during his term as a senator. Um, he was part of the Armed Services Committee. He was the uh, part of the Aeronautical and Space Sciences Committee, Strategic Nuclear Force uh, Forces Committee, the Tactical Warfare Committee, uh, the Communications and Transportation Committee, uh, Indian Affairs Committee. And in 1981, he became the chairman Whoa, of probably his, probably his most prominent one, which was the Senate Intelligence Committee under President Reagan. Ooh. And the Intelligence Committee are the people like uh, when we, those were the ones who were actually discussing and it kind of had the big brouhaha 
about the, you know just last year about the declassification of a lot of the UFO files. Like those are the people who are directly involved with those kinds of uh, that kind of information. So that was kind of people were saying like, oh, okay. So um, he's quoted as going on one year, like he was a very vocal proponent of kind of like the uh, uh, of declassification and being like, you know, there should be transparency and stuff like this. Um, and he had a, a, an interest in UFOs, never like, never like openly public because back then, you know, UFOs were, you know, if you went out and said that you were interested in UFOs, you automatically got the stigma of being, you know, a crazy person at that point. Um, you could basically, he would have just torpedoed his own political career, I assume. But um, on uh, CNN's Larry King Live on October 1st of 1994, he was quoted as actually saying, I think at Wright-Patterson, if you could get into certain places, you'd find out that it was all hushed up. I called Curtis LeMay, one of his friends uh, who was also in the military, uh, uh, higher up, and he said, General, I know we have a room at Wright-Patterson Air- Wright where you put all this secret stuff. Can I go there? Uh, and he says that I've question. never heard... General LeMay get mad, but he got madder than hell at me, cussed me out and said, don't ever ask me that question again. So they got aliens at the base. Yeah. That's well, you what said, he, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. He, Goldwater says like, Hey, I want to see to strongly saw. imply that. God damn it. Ben like, Witter, don't ever ask yeah. me that shit again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you, not only can you not get in, don't ever ask me. Yeah. You're dead to it, me. Yeah, but maybe he just doesn't like this guy. You're never sleeping over again. Oh, no, they were actually, I think they were good friends and they were, uh, you know, they were, uh, they had been coworkers and they had been like together and, and you know, worked in certain places and and when they had been stationed together and things like this. So they were, they were well. And then he just turns on his buddy like that, that quick. <laughs> uh, in March of 2012, the actual, like the personal correspondence of Barry Gold- Goldwater was actually made available to the public uh, oh. by the Arizona State University I'm gonna st- Historical I'm going to start Foundation. using that whenever a friend asks me to help move. What's that? From now on, I'm like, not only is the answer no, but never ask me again. You're <laughs> <laughs> really mad. Very vocal like about that. it. The LeMay, uh, that's what I'm calling that from now on. Within this collection of correspondence, you have actually a hundred letters that concern UFOs. Because once Goldwater had kind of become associated with the UFOs, like people actually had had mailed him and you know sent him uh, letters asking him about the events and the the stuff that was in Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and um, you had a number of these um, that kind of deal with the notion that they're where on where the location of these UFO crash artifacts might be stored. And, you know, Goldwater's kind of, you know, some people would say quest, continuous quest to kind of find out where they were. Um, The thing is that what is interesting is that after, after he became the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee under President Reagan, like I mentioned before, kind of his, yep. his latest one. Right. Um, it it would seem that Goldwater's responses, and some people interpret it this way, became a bit more, uh, like they changed subtly in their tone. Um, when in one Dude, letter even, he kind of- it, it makes sense though. It makes sense to me because I'm like, even if he's just kind of talking some shit and he's like, yeah, you know, if it was like, if it was my guess, if you were asking me, right, Patterson Air Force, hundred percent, like, like they probably got some shit there. And he's talking to his ass, like hundred percent, a phone call would come across that, like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. 
stop talking about that. I, especially this general told him, like, told him this. He's he's doing interviews saying this shit. This doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he would get a phone call and be like, stop saying that. Uh, one of the ones that kind of is a good example of this this change in tone is that there was a correspondence from July 15th of 1981 uh, where he had a letter, uh, sent a letter to a fellow ham operator because Barry Goldwater actually, I guess he was a very... Uh, he was very well he's a ham operator like you know back then yeah, that was his yeah. uh that was one of his hobbies and he was very uh, well vested <laughs> guys all about the ham yeah um and when they asked him about his attempts to gain entrance into what is known as the blue room oh. at Wright Patterson Air Force Base uh he said you know qu- he's quoted as saying there are you know what about the rumors he says they are Partially true, but not completely. I can't give you any, uh, and I can't give you any other answer than that. So please don't push it. So we got some partial truth to his words. He's not saying right. full truth, See, but that means, to be honest, to be honest, that means that something in this story that we've recounted to this point, something there is true. Or all whether of that it's be true. whether that be, we recovered a craft of extraterrestrial origin. Maybe that's the grain of rice. And everything else is that is, you know, blown up from that. Or maybe they recovered a body, right? We don't know what that grain of rice is, that that grain of truth. It's probably Dave Mustaine being a super secret scientist. But (laughs) I mean, I could go bring it it first full circle. The the extraterrestrials communicate through, you know, harmonics. So, you know. Mustaine's in there just like ripping guitars, communicating with the <laughs> extraterrestrial yeah. energy. Shredding. Like, <laughs> That's why the rock and roll museum's yeah. there because all the best... Ro- it's not the pick of destiny. You got to go and learn to talk with the ETs, all our best shredders. Oh my they God. bring the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base oh. to communicate. You have to bring, the, like, the, <laughs> you bring the pick to the base. You put it yeah, in the... It's like, you perfect in the, in the sundial at Hangar 23. You turn it, it opens the bottom... The basement door to hangar 18, 18. where you learn Ooh. all there is to know about the shred. Yeah. Basically, the uh, language. It's like the scene out of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind where it's like, bam, 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 bam. And then it's like, well, we're not getting anything, sir. Bring in Mustaine. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh my God. And it's just like an entire, all you know, the that's aliens how the Intergalactic melt. Federation, be- yeah. yeah. Just melts everyone's oh faces. An alien we, face. we were gonna we were gonna wipe you off the face of the solar system, but now <laughs> we know that you were advanced enough, and that you shred hard enough to rise into the ranks you of the intergalactic federation. <laughs> now, wasn't there also a letter where he said that he didn't blame the government for not showing, not telling him, because it was he like made it seem like the material that they they had like should be kept secret. Right, yeah. There, in one letter, he said that he's. It's stated that he says that um, he didn't blame the Air Force for, for, from preventing him from entering what is uh, commonly referred to as this, or you know, you hear in some of these uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base narratives that the Blue Room, which apparently is a uh, kind of super secret underground room that some people have said that you know some high-ranking Army officials, Air Force officials have visited, and this is where they keep. Um, supposedly keep a lot of the either they keep the bodies or they keep the keep, keep the bodies and the artifacts that they have recovered well, from and, uh, and I mean there's, there's tons of stories about you know accounts of like 
them having some strange like alloys or weird metals that are seemingly indestructible, but you can mold them and bend them and they just instantly revert back to the original shape and they they are just indestructible to anything that we have. Right. So it's like, you know, you know, we hear stories of that kind of stuff in this space as well. Yeah. So some like super material that doesn't absorb heat that could with pretty much the whatever the material was that coated the craft at Roswell. So is it yeah. malleable or is it like you have to like heat it up to manipulate it or like what's what's that? Honestly, that wasn't that it's not that clear from what I read. To me, it, it seemed like like whatever you did to it, it would just instantly revert back to its original shape. They, they, Interesting. Yeah, they said if you could like fold it into a ball and it would just uncrinkle, wrinkle-free back to its original form. So I'm like super malleable, super and, dense, extreme heat resistance material. If that's the grain of truth here, like that it does make sense why you wouldn't want that to be known to the public because you wouldn't want, you know, this is you know, technically technology that you might have an advantage, like advantage of yeah, man, listen, foreign listen, gold water. We've created goddamn flubber down here. Yeah. You can't go around <laughs> telling the goddamn world about it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think this is? He's a menace. <laughs> <laughs> hey, could you imagine this little guy in the wrong hands? <laughs> I think that's the first time I said flubber since 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fuck. So, and so not only apparently reportedly are there the, you know, you have the entities and you have the materials that, uh, you know, comprise their craft, but also perhaps stored down there is you have the space pancakes. We're that's about, right. I forgot about the Simonton connection. Talking about Joe fucking Simonton? Talking about Joe fucking Simonton, Space Pancake Incident from April 18th, 1961. Uh, and if, you know, if people recall that one, one of our more famous, our famous UFO case files, uh, uh, that, that to that specific event, you had a J. Allen Hynek, you know, head of Project Bluebird, Blue Book, had been dispatched uh, by the U.S. Air Force to go investigate it. And he took one, of, it's reported that he took one of those pancakes for the government analysis and they took it to the Air Force Technical Intelligence Center, which is stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Listen, if you got a hold of some ET pancakes, you would want to know what they're eating. That's like a very what, important thing. And yeah, if, yeah. The, and the the weird thing was is they were made of flour, sugar, and grease. Saltless uh, no also. Salt. No salt. No salt. Peculiar. Yeah, peculiarly you know that's no salt. The, that's the weakness of the aliens. It's not water. It's salt. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the wheat is, was it wheat or the grease? Something was, they were like, maybe it's not from here. I don't know. Well, they, like of course space, it's not from there. They got it from grease. four Italian entities barbecuing, <laughs> yeah. flipping pancakes on this craft, six burner They're grill. Dancing to a fucking rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great story. Joe, Joe Simonton's pancakes. Yeah, it's the the other interesting thing that I found about Wright Air, Wright Patterson Air Force Base is that it is a particularly haunted area. Um, tons of you know ghost tours and ghost adventures, uh, sci-fi channel stuff uh, go to this area because well, it's of a zoomed in blurry pictures. Yeah, because of you know I mean we got to get Tim Skull Lion over there to get some Absolutely. shots. Uh, one of the houses, uh, the Hap Arnold House is said to be haunted by no less than five entities. 
Henry Hap Arnold was the only person ever to be dubbed the general of the Air Force. And uh, he, I guess he lived there, died in, uh, basically a lot of, they say this house is now, you know, has five entities live in it. There's a museum. There, there's there's tons. You can look up the ghost history. Oh, it's got to be more to it than that. He had to have died some type of like violent, revengeful death. I don't now particularly he's care how he died, but this is the area. If you are telling me that there is 30 of these extraterrestrial bodies, perhaps more, that may have seen their demise at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and maybe, you know, they're their spirits are lingering in this area and that's what's haunting this area is that, you know, these are, these things operate in another dimension. They were briefly here and we have their physical bodies, but their, their souls or whatever are stuck now in our, they have unfinished business in our dimension. Mm. And they're just wandering the Wright Patterson air force base forever locked in the, in this area. I just thought that was kind of a, a interesting uh, little tidbit as well, that this place is, you know, fairly well known to be quite haunted. Well, I'd admit, like you talked about it, there's 800 buildings there. There's over 50,000 people employed there at one point. Like, I'm sure there's a significant amount of people who have died there. Yeah, uh, I'm sure if they're working on, you know, alien technology, alien tech, someone's getting vaporized. <clears throat> Absolutely. Don't touch that. Great. Oh, instant He's ghost. <laughs> instant ghost. Poo. Vaporized. Mm-hmm. Got a whole bunch of like spooky bulkhead bills ripping around there. <laughs> be terrible. Yeah, level four of the hangar is just, just people are just fused to the wall. Yeah, scary. Uh, the, the, the great thing I like about this case, about the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is, is that fucking everyone had an uncle that worked there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so many Seems like hand it, yeah. accounts where everyone's like, well, listen, my uncle actually, my uncle. My uncle worked there. Yeah, because that's because in Ohio, you got a whole lot of sister, cousin, <laughs> uncle. <laughs> We're going to lose a lot of our just Ohio numbers. Wait, let, let, let me quickly check uh, our Ohio no, streaming numbers. And then I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a reference on next week how many we lose. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where it's it's there's a lot of third-hand accounts of like, well, my uncle worked there. And, you know, he, he saw, he was... He was at a gate and told to shoot anyone that came out of the lab. And you're like, okay. Ugh. Well, that doesn't really... <laughs> some fucking paperclip stuff there. All right. <laughs> you're like that. Hey. All right, maybe. You're like, it adds to the lore, but you're like, it's it's you're not like... There are first-hand accounts, but again, the, of the characters involved, there's a lot of books written and stuff, but a lot of the people that write accounts who said they've worked there and are releasing secrets, they don't get along, and they they basically point the finger and they'll be like, that guy's full of shit. He, he's full of shit. I'm right. I worked with this guy. His name's not Spacey. It's Stacy. It's General Stacy. Not General Spacey. And they like they're they're at each other's necks hmm. about like who's the right story. So it, it's kind of an interesting. There's tons of information about it. Um, it's it's. I believe after looking into it that this is where they would most likely bring a downed alien craft. Hundred percent. I don't think Area 51 would make a lot of sense, especially in the time frame. This would make more sense to me. I concur. I think this is, yeah, like I said before, this is probably the most uh, likely place that they would develop materials or uh, technology from a a downed 
crash ship. Like you have the manufacturing there, you have like the infrastructure there to do it. Um, you have access to the universities, you have access to all that stuff and scientists. You're not all in the middle of nowhere, like Area 51, where you got to fly people in on like a private charter jet or anything. Like you pretty much drive out and go get somebody. Um, I mean, right now, I mean, on that base itself, like there's tons of like military contractors along with their scientists and things like this. So, um, some of the, some of those actually, those facilities are associated with some of the bigger, uh, advancements in material technology, at least that, uh, what I was reading about is at least that I, th- I think they had a large part in developing nitinol, which nitinol is a, uh, it's an alloy of nickel and titanium. And it has many of the properties that are similar to what are described as the, uh, what you guys were talking about, about the memory metal, where you would bend it into, uh, you know, you could crumple it up and then it would return either with, you know, I think with nitinol, you have to heat it, but um, it would return to its original form. So memory metals, I think there's some that actually come or had been developed in the past in like the 70s and 80s uh, there at the base or near the base. Boom. So reverse engineering alien tech at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Hangar 23, the secret door to Hangar 18, the blue room, it's all there. This one's got a lot of, hey, it's got a lot of people who know someone. Man, I think somebody's at your door, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We, 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 we is that our interview? Is that our interview? We got to get our interview here. This is Barry Goldwater. He's in <laughs> Thailand. He's hiding out. He's coming yeah. to talk to Dan. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think happened in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? Like, is this, you know, hashtag look it up. After listening, um, look it up. What do you think happened? Do you think this is the logical place? Uh, let us know. Let us know in the comments. Um, give us your theories about what went down at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Does it make sense to you that this facility um, would be the leading spot to reverse engineer UFO technology? <laughs> what we get wrong? What we get right? What we miss? Let us Everything know. Everything other than the creator of microwave popcorn. That's it. That was the only factual bit of information, I think, on this. Let us know. Anywhere anywhere we are, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even though we're banned probably from all of them at this point for <laughs> talking about something we shouldn't have. You can find us there. If you search for us, you can find us. Yeah, fun case. Let us know. All right, who do we got this week? Big old Theorite of the Week. Uh, so this week for the Theorite of the Week, we've got Andre Lacoste. Andre right. Lacoste. Shared a fucking genius meme mm. uh, saying Braden getting ready for the uh, running challenge by carbo loading. And he's got Braden's face on Michael Scott's body. He's getting ready for the Michael Scott, Dunder Mifflin, Scrant, Meredith Palmer, Celebrity Rabies Awareness Pro-Am fun run for the cure. <laughs> and it's got fucking Burmeester's face on Dwight Schrute's body just shoveling fucking fettuccine Alfredo into his mouth there. <laughs> getting him all nice and carbo loaded. That was pretty hilarious. Awesome. We're, we make sure to post those on our socials every week. It's also in the Facebook Theorite group if you can find it. You can go to aliantheorist.com. All the links are there. Do we got a new way? We got a new way for people to win? We're going to change it. We're going to change it up. We're going to bring in a little something we used to do back before the old Spotify days. If you leave your boys a five-star review, something clever, something witty, something that makes us laugh, you can also be Theorite of the Week. That way... You don't have to make a meme. You don't have to do anything like that. All it takes, you know, if you're listening right now, just do it. If you're on anywhere that reviews podcasts, Apple's number one, Spotify, you can't leave a review. Actually, you can just give five stars. But I think CastBox, Podchaser, anywhere you're listening, leave us a review. 
something witty, something fun, and you could be Theorite of the Week. We'd appreciate it. It really helps the show. Yeah. Tremendously helps the show. And if you're already supporting the show, we thank you. If you're not, you know where to go. AlienTheorist.com. The link's right there. It says support. Get early access to the case files, ad-free, the live stream, all the other goodies. This week's new supporters. Some, I know someone's trying to fuck with me here. NG No Hose. Okay, not bad. Tide Pod Jesus. He will save you if you eat a Tide Pod. Why? But don't. But don't eat a Tide Pod. Don't do it. Well, you'll meet. You'll meet him. If you you'll, meet, him. You'll, you'll meet Tide Pod Jesus if you eat a Tide Pod. Wyatt Halliday, Suburban Cowboy, Austin Weens, Tony Long, Kata, Julian, Brady Morris, Martin Stolp, Susan Manning, Sai Wowza, Wowza, I was trying to get me. A full year pledge upped by JV Williams, and last but not least, Jennifer Staplin and Claudia Ramirez. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as Brayden always, always says, say at the end of these things, <laughs> keep, yeah, keep your eyes on the skies. See you in after. Peace. <laughs>